If you've been in downtown San Diego within the last two years, chances are you've seen, or perhaps stumbled over, a scooter. They're everywhere, it seems, and today we have John Wilkins, a staff writer at the San Diego Union-Tribune, who wrote a very extensive and fascinating story about scooters and what they mean to San Diego and how we got to where we got to and where perhaps we're going. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Peter Rowe, and this is your San Diego News Fix. With me today is John Wilkins, a senior reporter with the San Diego Union-Tribune. Thanks for coming in, John. Sure. Happy to be here. Well, so tell me, I mean, the whole scooter craze in San Diego, when did it begin? Well, it, it began in, in a massive wave in February of 2018. So all of a sudden, you know, those of us who work downtown, coming downtown to work on the scooters were everywhere. Seemed to be on almost every corner downtown, spread out into the beach areas, into Little Italy, and we felt like we had been invaded. But this invasion, in some ways, was encouraged by local officials, wasn't it? It was. A city, unlike many other jurisdictions around uh, Southern California, uh, embraced them. They welcomed them with open arms. They saw them as an important tool in their efforts to uh, get people out of their cars and to reduce the greenhouse emissions that we associate with climate change. Well, of course, San Diego has a pretty aggressive plan to reduce greenhouse gases within the city. And in order to reach those goals, they do need alternative forms of transportation, right? We just can't all be driving our cars all the time. Especially on short trips, which is what these are, these are aimed at. So, so suddenly these scooters show up, and, uh, and it is the scooter nirvana we've been promised, right? <laughs> well, no, it depends on who's doing the riding, right? And, and a lot of people are riding. One, one company alone, Lime, claims that they've had more than 4 million riders. In San Diego, there are only five cities around the world that have reached that milestone for that company, which is one of the largest. And um, so people do ride them, uh, tend to be younger people, younger males in particular, but there are all sorts of problems associated with them as well. And in the early going, it was things like people riding on the sidewalk, which you're not supposed to do here. And then the thing that really seems to get people going is people just leaving scooters wherever. Because, right, that's part of the attraction of the, of the devices. You can get on it. There's an app on your phone where you rent it. And then when you get to where you're going, you just leave it. So, and people do just leave them everywhere. So. Right. And not only has that been um, uncomfortable for pedestrians who are... You know, suddenly having to look out for these scooters left in the middle of the sidewalk, you know, try not to trip over them. Uh, but it was also posed a problem for uh, people in wheelchairs. Is that right? It has so much to the point that uh, some uh, disability rights activists have filed a lawsuit against the companies in the city for not keeping the sidewalks clear. Wow. So there were lawsuits. Uh, what other problems came up? Well, you know, injuries has been an ongoing issue with these. Nobody has really done any kind of extensive, comprehensive study of injuries, and that's partly because the industry is so new, right? We're talking about barely two years old when they when they first started showing up in, in the Bay Area and other places. So that's been a, a large issue. And then in San Diego, of course, it's just been uh, the absence of any kind of regulations for the scooters. People don't know what what's wrong, what's right, where they're supposed to go, what's supposed to happen. So the city earlier this year passed some regulations and they went into effect July 1st. 
And that was really sort of the impetus for our story was to try and take a look at whether those new rules are having any kind of an impact on the Wild West out there. Okay, so what was your conclusion? Have those rules kind of reined in some of the worst abuses? I think it depends on where you are. I mean, clearly some of the crackdown is happening. Two of the city, two of the scooter companies have left town. Uh, ridership, at least in as measured by average daily rides, appears to be down fairly significantly from July into the first half of September. Um, the city has been uh, confiscating scooters that are that are parked in the wrong place, and um, uh, riders are are getting citations. The most common of which is for riding illegally on sidewalks. But whether, just to answer your question, I think it's too soon to know. I mean, as with any enforcement action, right? We'll see the CHP do a do some kind of DUI check on the highways. Well, does that really stop people from driving drunk? I mean, maybe it does on that street during that night, and maybe there's some spillover effect of people hearing about the traffic stops. But I think it's a little too soon to know yet whether uh, the most um, egregious abuses are really being curbed yet. Well, we're talking here about abuses, but I think it's only fair to say that your story uh, did talk to fans of scooters, and they had a lot of reasons why these are considered important, uh, viable forms of transportation. Yeah, and I think the Lyme ridership number that we talked about earlier certainly speaks to the attraction of them. Uh, I think uh, I think uh, one of the people I quoted in the story was a local chef who lives downtown and has, has been on a scooter more than 600 times already this year. He thinks he averages a ride about it uh, four times a day. And he goes he goes to work and back on his scooter. He goes to the store on the scooter, and he thinks it's great. He barely drives his car anymore. He comes out of his his restaurant or his uh, his apartment building, and there's almost always a scooter right there. He doesn't have to find it. He doesn't, you know, have to worry about where he's going to be able to park it. He just he can just go, and he he likes the mobility of them. He likes the he likes that they're fairly quick. You know, he favors a particular brand because he thinks they're faster than any of the others. So there are people who like them. We also have a fair amount of people who come to San Diego as visitors who who begin to see this as part of the fun of being in San Diego. And uh, tell me about the the cost of all this. I mean, if you are a consumer and you are like your chef and you come outside in the morning, you're going to ride this 400 times or 600 times in in 10 months, uh, what does this cost you? Oh, boy. You're asking the wrong guy. As I said in one of the stories, I'm not a rider myself. They scare me. Um, I, I find them... Uh, not to be a good idea with cars going by. Um, so I'm not really the market for it anyway at my age. I'm a bit older than the usual demographic. But most of them have, have riding on them at, say, a dollar to start. So and then they will usually charge you a small amount per mile that you go. So, you know, a few bucks a few to bucks. take a short ride. I mean, the average right. ride Lime has found in San Diego is just over half a mile. So you're not, you're not spending very much to do it. You don't have to pay to maintain it yourself. You're not putting gas in it. You're not putting oil in it. You're not taking it to the mechanic for a tune-up. So it's certainly a lot less expensive. But but again, it depends on the situation, right? This guy we're talking about, the chef, he lives very close to his place of employment. So this makes perfect sense for him. Somebody who maybe lives in Rancho Bernardo and and works downtown, you're not going to ride a scooter 20 miles from, from Rancho Bernardo and back. So but the, the, the real design of these and the ultimate goal of these is sort of what they call the first and last mile, 
which would be that commuters would be able to take a scooter, say a mile or a mile and a half from their home to a transit center, ride the trolley or the bus or whatever to work where, or to the station where it's another mile to work and they'd ride a scooter at the other end. So that's the hope is that these devices will eventually be used by thousands and thousands of people for those little short ride yeah. commutes that connect them from home to work. Well, of course, you don't have to pay insurance uh, as you do with uh, if you own a car. Um, but, I mean, as your story pointed out, uh, injuries related to scooter riding seem to be on the rise, and they can be quite serious. Yes, and uh, this was a study that uh, was done of three emergency rooms, three trauma centers in the country, two of them in San Diego, um, Scripps Mercy and UC San Diego. And um, right off the bat, you have to say that these are trauma centers, so they generally see the worst of the worst. So the injuries they are seeing are some really serious um, head injuries, facial injuries, a lot of extremity injuries, people sticking their hands out when they fall, so they break their wrists. But the thing that was most surprising to the doctors in this was how many of the riders are intoxicated. Yeah, it was it was a much higher percentage, I think, than of bicycle riders. Also, uh, a much lower percentage of scooter riders wearing helmets than bicycle riders. Or skateboarders, right? or, based, based on other right. studies. So, right. and nobody really knows why that is. Part of it's because, I mean, what do you do with this? What do you do with a helmet when you're done riding to wherever it is that you're riding? Right. I think part of it just doesn't seem cool to riders. You know, I think there's a certain certain significant percentage of the riders fit into this uh, demographic of young males who are, are, there's a little bit of an adrenaline thing there. Um, and so scooters just don't, I mean, excuse me, helmets just really don't fit into that. Um, but you know, there was a time when seatbelts weren't cool either. So, um, you know, I think we'll begin to see if scooters continue to be as dominant as they have been and in such a short period of time. We'll probably start seeing some pretty aggressive public education campaigns. You'll see people coming out with things like uh, collapsible helmets that maybe are a little easier to deal with. Um, you may even see things like inflatable collars that work almost as portable airbags that would somehow inflate as you as you fall off the scooter and protect you from... I, I mean, I think all sorts of things are probably in the wind out there being talked about. And a lot of people, including the scooter companies, are very serious about trying to address the injury thing because it's a, I mean, it is a, it's a really important issue. The city has taken some steps to make scooter riding more safe. I mean, for instance, there are broader uh, lanes that have been established primarily for scooters and for bicycle riders. And I think that, uh, that helped during Comic-Con because one of the main thoroughfares leading through downtown and towards the convention center was marked with one of these lanes. Right. They have three what they call protected bike lanes that, that are protected by, by curbs and also by, by pylons, right? And, and the riders love those. And in fact, if you look at uh, the city can generate heat maps at any given time in the day that will show you where the people are, are riding. And uh, those protected bike lanes are, are quite popular with scooter riders. Um, so I, I think uh, the more that more that those are developed in the city, um, you know, the safer the scooter riders will be. But as we also know from from those lanes coming in, they also 
cause other problems, in, at least temporary problems, as people try to get used to them and, and uh, some parking places aren't where they used to be and traffic lanes aren't where they used to be. But, you know, that's all, that's all part of the process as people try to figure this out and, and work forward in a way that's, uh, that makes sense and is safe for everybody. Well, it seems to be gradually changing traffic patterns, which is part of the goal, I believe, is to, you know, kind of mix that up and make the downtown not quite so car clogged. Um, and I guess, you know, regardless of where you stand on scooters, I think most of us are in favor of that. So Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. And even though I, I'm not the demographic for scooter riders, I, I understand their attraction. I can see why people would want to do them. Um, I just think a lot of the tension has been this feeling that maybe they they came in unannounced without any kind of permission and, and the city was, um, for its own reasons, a little hesitant to do any kind of enforcement and that's allowed some problems to persist that maybe now the city is trying hard to get its its hands around. So your final final thoughts on scooters and the future of scooters in San Diego, where where do you stand? Well, I mean, I think I think they're here to stay for, for better or for worse, and I think they make a lot of sense. But um, I think it's very, very young in the process, and I think we're, we're seeing a lot of growing pains. And uh, I think uh, for, for it to be successful here, you're going to have to see some more, um, some more regulations and then some more uh, self-imposed smart writing on the part of, of more of the writers out there. That was John Wilkins, senior reporter with the San Diego Union-Tribune. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. Our creative director is Beto Alvarez, and our digital editor is Ricky Young. This podcast comes together with support from our creative studio and reporters throughout the newsroom. Please rate us and review us on your favorite podcast app and support our journalism by signing up for our print and digital products at uniontrip.com slash subscribe. Until next time.